0: Good morning and welcome to Diversions, another great day here in western Colorado. My name is Mark Catlin. I'll be your host on KUBC 580 AM. Let's talk about the people who keep us on the air. You know, they're the ones that we depend on, believe me. Producers co-op here in Montrose and Olathe. They've got feed, seed, fertilizer, fuel, whatever it is that you need for your ag operation, they've got it. Drop by there on Main Street in either town, Montrose or Olathe, walk through the door. The first question is, can I help you? They mean it they'll help you find what you're needing or uh, and after that they'll help load it up in your pickup or in the box in the trunk of your car, send it home with you, or if it's too big, they'll bring it to your place, no matter how big or how small your place is. They've got what you need for your ag operation, great people taking care of a great place, producers co-op Turner automotive you you know where they're at out here on west on East Main, that new building new cars all the way around it, you know well. Uh, Turner Automotive is uh, your General Motors, Chevrolet, and Toyota dealer here in the Ancapagre Valley. World-class automobiles sold right here at home. Ross Turner and his crew will help you buy a car rather than sell you one. That's a big distinction in this day and age. Everybody's pushing. But Ross and his crew will be out there to help you. And that, uh, that service department is really, bar none, the best I've ever dealt with. They've done a lot of good things for me. They've done them on time. They've done them on budget. And uh, they don't do anything until they talk to you. That's That's a really good way of doing business. If you need an automobile, Turner Automotive is the place to go. That's where I try to shop. Leadership Circle here in Montrose, they've learned a lot of things nationwide and brought them right here to home. They created that shopping center south of Montrose. We all know what that's done for the community. It's made us into that regional shopping center that we always thought that we could be and would be. Well, with a little help from Leadership Circle, we now are that. Just go out there and take a look at how much business is being done in that development. They learned a lot of things, brought them home, trying to make uh, trying to make their hometown better too. Mesa Storage. They've been storing my treasures since I realized they were treasures. Ron and Pam Brown are friends of mine, and they'll be friends of yours just by driving through the yard and in, and uh, renting one of their spaces. You know that that place is. Spick and span clean. Believe me, they take really good care of everything around there. They, uh, they're, they're good business people, but, you know, that place is locked and fenced every night. But the big deal is that it's open every day so that you can get to your treasures. You know, what's the point in having storage if you can't get to it? And Ron and Pam Brown agree with that. You know, they're good neighbors, good friends, good patriots. If you need a place to store your treasures... Mesa Storage, there on Spring Creek Road, just before you go up the hill. That's the place to go. That's, you know, I have my friends and neighbors being there. Scott's Printing has been with me since we decided we were going to go to a full-hour show and has never wavered. He's also that kind of a printer. Scott's Printing down there, it's not just him. That crew are really top-notch professionals. If you've got an image you want to present, go to Scott's Printing. They'll sit down with you. On the graphic arts and start working with you, and pretty soon you'll see the picture you had in your mind. Scott's Printing. You don't have to find them on the internet. You don't have to click your mouse in order to order. Walk through the door on South 12th. They'll ask you if they can help you, and they will help you. You know they get things done quickly. They get them done on on budget, and they really do put out some really good printing. Scott's Printing. They're professionals. They're friends of mine. Go by and say thank you for sponsoring. Diversions. We need their help. Today's going to be a good show. I, I really think I'm excited. You know, I want you to know that I'm excited about it. I'm going to have a guest on that we've never had before. Um, you know, it's going to be Barbara McLaughlin from uh, Durango. She's the state representative for District 59. Um, you know, she represents Durango, and we all know what's going on down there with the fires and all those kind of things. But we're going to talk about her district and about her her way of doing business and some of those kind of things. I've had uh, I've had some real good interactions with this young woman and um, I think you're going to like her too. Good, mo- good morning. Welcome to Diversions. You're on the air.
1: Good morning, Representative Catlin. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm Representative McLaughlin. It's always nice to hear your voice. Thank you for being our guest. Let oh, my me pleasure. Uh, let me uh, brag on you a little bit. Oh, all right. All right. Our guest, the
1: radio program. <laughs>
0: yeah, our guest this morning is Barbara McLaughlin. She's the representative for 59th District, which is the very next-door neighbor to the 58th, which I represent. She and I didn't know one another at all when I came to the, to the House of Representatives, but we have developed a, re- a relationship that I'm proud of. Uh, we're not just compatriots or colleagues. We've become friends. You know, uh, she represents people in a way that um, that I'm proud of, and I I think she does a tremendous job. She's one of those people that sticks out when you think about, well, what should a representative look like, or what should they do? Barbara McLaughlin is one of those people. Welcome to Diversions this morning.
1: Well, thank you so much. Very complimentary, and I can say the same thing about you. You are, uh very easy to work with. It's, it's good.
0: Yeah, we get along pretty easy, which is, uh, you know, pretty surprising because uh, we come from completely different backgrounds. What was your background before you became a legislator?
1: Um, I um, I taught high school for 20 years in Durango. Um, I was, I taught um, freshman honors English and the newspaper. I did journalism. And I uh, retired thinking that I was going to finally be able to read a book without a highlighter in my hand and not get up at 4 o'clock every morning and grade papers, and uh, I think I flunked retirement. I came into this job, and um, I'm quite happy doing it. I'm kind of fun to advocate for teachers and the people that I know. So, Well, let you know, me ask so you
0: this question. When were you elected?
1: Um, just when you were. I was. I've, I've only been in office for two years now, so this is... Um, my very first. You came in in January, and I got in in November, so All that's right. the only difference in there.
0: So we're freshmen together, I guess. We huh? are indeed. <laughs> they better watch out for us if we make I it know. to the sophomore year, I can tell you. <laughs> you know, I wanted to ask you quickly, what committees do you serve on?
1: I am um, a member of the Education Committee, and then I am um, Vice Chair of the Transportation and Energy Committee.
0: Well, you know, those are pretty important committees. I
1: Yes. you know, I with your so.
0: with your education background, I uh, I think that you got appointed to the right you know, to the right committee and being on the western slope, we need all of the representation that we can get on the transportation committee because our urban cousins sometimes get to thinking that the only roads that are in st- the state of Colorado are on the front range. So you have to remind them.
1: <laughs> yes, they all, uh, they all believe that I-25 and I-70 are the only roads available, and if we're not fixing those, the rest of the state is just, um, we don't care about the rest of the state sometimes. So, That's yeah. true. So.
0: Listen, I wanted to ask you, what counties do you represent?
1: Um, I represent six, well, five and a half counties. Um, Archuleta County, where Pagosa Springs is, La Plata, which is Durango, San Juan, which is um, Silverton, Uray County, which is Uray and Ridgeway, Hinsdale—that's Lake City—and then I have half of Gunnison County, and I have the Gunnison part. And Millie Hamner represents the um, the, the northern part.
0: So she has Crested Butte. Yes. Okay. So somewhere in between, in that Gunnison Valley, there's a line drawn, and you yes. represent the town of Gunnison and those south of uh, south of Gunnison, I suppose. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it's a great big district, you know. Uh, my district is large too. We bump up against one another. We do. Uh,
1: I have to cross through yours to get to mine.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> isn't that interesting that we have, uh, you know, we have Mankus is, Mankus is right in between the two of us. Mankus is in my district,
1: uh-huh. yet.
0: Yeah, but there's a lot of folks that live in Mancus and that are claim that little valley as home that end up working in Durango.
1: Absolutely. We share a lot of uh, resources and people and interests um all over there's um there's not a huge division of interest between um your district and mine
0: no that's true and you know we've we've we have visited one another in each other's districts and uh, you know i think that's one of the reasons that we're able to get along is that the people we represent they're pretty much the same folks they're the same kind of people and I, you know i think that's good for people to have um you know kind of a team approach
1: Oh, I think so. You I know, think I understand um, your constituents, and you understand mine, and so that makes passing bills together a lot easier.
0: That's true. You know, you have a lot of livestock producers, I think, in your district. Mm-hmm. Uh Probably, you know, maybe even more than what I have, if you've got Gunnison and Hinsdale yeah. and all of that. So how are your livestock producers doing this year? I, this drought's got to be very, very tough on them.
1: Um, yes, I was up at... Um, the uh, stock growers' dinner in Gunnison um, a couple weeks ago. and talked with them, and they, um, of course, they're very worried about water, and um, worried about um, getting kicked off the grazing that they get to do in federal lands. Um, you know that they're paying for, but it'll um, they will have to graze on their own property, and on their own property is where they are growing hay for the winter. So. They're um, getting rid of all of their, their hay resources right now um, just to graze their animals for the summer. So um, many of them are anticipating that they can last one or maybe two years doing this, but it's going to be really rough on them. And um, they anticipate that they're going to be selling um, cattle pretty soon.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's probably right. I think some of the folks in our district have started to sell off cows too. Yeah. Is, is, um, is Navajo Lake in your district? It is. So what's happening down around there? Are you seeing, uh, are the tourist numbers still up? Or is all this, uh, <laughs> this advertisement about the fire and all chasing people off?
1: Um, I think Navajo is doing okay, mostly because they're not getting a lot of smoke. Um, the smoke is kind of settling by um, the Animus River and in town. Um, and I live on the Animus River, so um, it's really heavy in the morning, um, the smoke is. Oh, I'm but Navajo seems to be doing okay. Uh, we are really trying to emphasize that uh, we're open for business. Um, I met with people from Silverton yesterday and La Plata County, and then the governor and our two senators and um, representative was there too, all of Congress, congressional mm-hmm. representative. And, um, and we talked a lot how we need to emphasize that we're open for business. Public lands are closed, but there's a lot of other things to do. And um, we're really trying to kind of get going so that we see it, this is a region, and Navajo included, and Biceto, and um, that we're all here and, and ready for people.
0: Right.
1: And, um, we, we like the tourists. So Let great. me ask
0: you another question. What are the largest economic drivers in your district?
1: Um, um, It's kind of interesting. Agriculture, of course, is very big and very important to all of us, and um you know, I think that's why our work on the with the young farmers was so important to me, is that um, we need to save that land from going somewhere else. We also have uh, Fort Lewis College, and I also have Western um, State uh, University up in Gunnison. So I have two colleges in my district.
0: Well, those are big uh, drivers for those communities, I'm absolutely, sure. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. So um, I work hard trying to make sure that these rural colleges um, get the money that they need because... Um, you know, if they lose a thousand dollars, it's a big deal. If CU loses a thousand dollars, they're like, "Oh well, we can handle that." But, <laughs> yeah,
0: that's nothing.
1: Um, yeah. So, so
0: are, uh, those are those universities growing, or, or um, how are they doing?
1: Yes, not real. They're not growing very fast, but they're holding steady. Um, Western State has done a really great job of um, being innovative with the majors that they're offering, and um, you know they got an engineering degree going up there, and they're doing snow science and things like that that are really western slope um, oriented. So they're doing really well. Uh, Fort Lewis just got a new president um, who starts in um, July, I believe, or August. Can't remember which, yeah. which end of which month he's going in. Um, and he is a businessman, and so he's anticipating um, really. Um, looking at the business end of Fort Lewis College and um, getting us going again and getting more students in there.
0: Well, you know, that sounds good. I know that tourism yep. is, is big. In your district, probably tourism is larger than it is in mine. Because I think so. you have, We have the train. Yeah, the train, and, you know, you've got, well, all of that um, things that people really want to come and see and do, and Durango has kind of made it into the world's consciousness, it seems like. People know where Durango is nowadays. Yes, they didn't they used do. to. So you probably, you, you know, you come to town there in Durango, you see that there's there's a lot of tourism uh, focused businesses there on Main Street and all up and down the valley.
1: Yes. So
0: are they being injured with this fire and all?
1: Um, yes, the train has been closed. Right. Um, for since June second, I think it was, or June first, whenever the fire started, and um, James Ranch, which is a big one, that's been closed, and Purgatory's been closed. Um, they have a lot of summer recreation up there. Um, so we're trying really hard to shop locally down here. Uh, the tourism board is working with us. I'm on the tourism board as well, so um, we're kind of working together to make sure that um, that. Not only do do they do people come down here, but it spills over so that they go over to see your district and what's over there, and sure. Ray, and that they, they get up into the mountains. And so, we're trying to focus on doing a Southwest Colorado push um, to get people down here to see what's here and um, spread the wealth. So even though they can't ride the train right now, there are a lot of other things to do, and we have to emphasize those things.
0: So how is the is the Animas River low this summer?
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, we had a terrible winter, and um, our water peaked in May. Yeah. Um, usually it's a June peak, and um, so, yeah, it's really low. And um, we should all be on very strict water restrictions, but I'm not sure everybody realizes that.
0: Yeah, I understand it. Yeah. <laughs> so the rafting companies and all, they're still open? And, um, yes, they you're, are.
1: You're it's still able to big. raft? Yes. We have um, some high water and... Um, not high water, but more rugged rafting as you know higher class yeah. rafting from Silverton to Durango, and that's been closed, but people are rafting in Durango, and um the river is pretty full. Like I said, I live on the river, so I get to see that um, there's a lot of professional you know commercial raft trips going down the water still. so so they're still doing pretty well
0: well, that's that's good to know and they're and yes. they're advertising they're open and
1: yes, so yeah, so is the but,
0: uh, is the community kind of push pulling together and thinking about how will we heal when this is all over?
1: Oh, yes. I. This community is just fabulous. Everybody's helping each other. Um, the people from Silverton said that La Plata County has been wonderful to them, sending people up there. We're trying to see if we can get buses of people to go up there. Um, and we really need to look forward on this. It's like what happens when the fires are out? It's raining today, luckily. So Is
0: it raining there in your community today? Yeah.
1: We are so happy. Um, Bad news is that we're going to probably have some big mudslides, but good news is is that we're getting some moisture into the ground and um, into our water table. Um, And so we're all kind of looking forward to what's next. We haven't lost any structures, um, so that's, that's a really, really good point, and no lives have been lost.
0: Well, that's um, a testament to the firefighters, that's for sure. Oh, my sure. gosh.
1: Yes, they're, uh, they're fabulous.
0: <laughs> well, and I think your community learned a lot with that big fire you had in 2002, I think.
1: Yes, uh-huh. They we learned did, about
0: defensible space. They, they went about, you know, kind of fireproofing their properties to where maybe that's starting to pay dividends, too, what they yes. learned.
1: Yeah, and the firefighters have actually commented on that. When they go into neighborhoods where people have been firewise. They're very complimentary and say it was so much easier to save the structures here because of that. So um, they're very appreciative, and I think neighbors are seeing that. And I think we all need to be very aware of um, the climate that we're, we're doing. You know, things are just dry, dry, dry out there. The fire, um, how we need to conserve water, um, the importance of water. Um, all of these things, I think it's, it's education that, Unfortunately they're learning the hard way but at least they're learning
0: it so but, you, know, that, you know I read an article the other day that said that the trees that are standing the live trees are are there at about 80 percent moisture when they should be you know 115 120 percent yeah that's because of the winter that you had and none of the you know you didn't get the moisture for those yeah. trees to suck up and, and for to be healthy
1: Yes, and the, the tree roots are burning. You know, it's, the fire is going underground. Wow! The trees are exploding because they're so dry that when fire hits them, they just burst. So, um, well,
0: that's dangerous too for the yes. people that are around them.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, it's a very dramatic and very dangerous um, situation they're all in.
0: You know, I was I was wondering there you know we've been home long enough from the from the legislative session i feel like my denverisms have kind of purged out of my system and i Yay. feel so much like more like myself <laughs> uh when you're around visiting with your people are you starting to see issues that you think will probably be something we might deal with in in 2000 um in when we go back um
1: somewhat i i have to You know, to be quite honest with you, I've been so um, caught up with this fire and what people's immediate needs are. Well,
0: I'm sure. It's
1: been been really hard to look, you know, down the road even to January, what we're doing. Yeah. Um, I have a few education bills um, that died last year that we want to bring back um, for the teacher shortage and educator (laughs) shortage. Right. Um, I would like to train kids. We need to talk more about suicide, I believe and um, how we can help students and how we can help each other. Um, I think mental health issues are going to be pretty big. Um, Affordable housing is something we really need to talk about. Um, Well, you know,
0: I agree with you on that mental health thing. Um, It seems to me that that's one of the places that we're going to have to put a lot more effort, a lot more attention, because, um, you know, people think that we live in an idyllic place. You know, you live in Durango, I live in Montrose, we represent these districts, and they think, how could you have a problem with suicide? But it's true, it's in our communities.
1: Oh, and rural Colorado is particularly vulnerable to it.
0: Yeah, it seems like that, yeah. Yeah. uh, Well, that may be because we don't have the facilities, we don't have the healthcare professionals, we, you know, that's something that the state hasn't thought about. Mm -hmm. You know, they focus on that urban corridor and feel like, okay, well, we've got so many stressors that this is where we need to be focused, but it's really out here. Yes. Our youth are really, you know, I'm worried about the youth, believe me.
1: Um, Oh, I am too. And, um, you know, you see these shootings that go on, and it seems to be a lot of young white men who have been disenfranchised from their communities. So we need to work really hard to make sure that um, they're getting what they need at school, which is where they are most of the day. Um, during the school year and that we help them. Um, I did get a bill passed. I tried three times this year and finally got a suicide prevention bill passed um, where we are going to train everyone in a school, from the janitor up to the superintendent, aides, everybody, on how to look for signs of um, students who are troubled and have the ability to hurt either themselves or others and so that we all are on the lookout. We're not just leaving it up to um, school counselors.
0: Yeah, um, a little more like a neighborhood watch, so to speak. Yeah,
1: yeah, and that we all are talking together. And, you know, at my school we had a great janitor, but the kids used to just follow him around, all the kids that were kind of forgotten by teachers. And so if he had been trained to look at things, he would have been a great resource for us um, to talk about, well, this kid is talking about his mom or his dad or, you know, trouble at home that he may not have been talking to anybody else about.
0: Well, I know when I was in high school the janitor was – He was the head counselor. You know, if you had trouble, you went and talked to uh, Mr. Cruz, and and he would sit down and visit with you and help you with those kind of things just by listening, and and he was a soft, you know, he he was a tough man, but he had a soft way of dealing with, you know, a a 17-year-old kid that was wound up tighter than a drum, and he would help unwind me to where Okay. Yeah, I see what they're trying to do, and he help me see the way. And that, you know, those kind of assets are something we just we really need to pay a lot more attention to the assets we have, and say, okay, yeah, you need to be doing that.
1: Yeah, um, and I think just with training and talking to people, we don't necessarily need to spend a lot of money to get new people in, but um, let's use the people we have. They um, they're very wise and very. You know, they know what's going on in the schools.
0: So yeah, I agree with that. You know what? Maybe we need to remind the administrators, hey, listen, this guy, if he's standing there talking to some kids, it's not because he's lazy and he doesn't want to do the work. He's actually the interface between those kids and this school, so...
1: Oh, absolutely. You know... And they don't want to talk to English teachers as much. You know, I have a, a grade book, and... Yeah. You know, right. It's it's a different It's a different dynamic, that, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, um... Yeah, so I think um, that could be a big one this time. I think suicide is just coming out, you know, movie stars are doing it and everything, but yeah. there's a lot of depression, there's a lot of anxiety um, with our students. I don't think um, social media does them any great service. They get on there and see that everybody else is having fun and they're not. And Yeah, you know, well, so. I
0: think that's true. Yeah. You know, I I finally ventured into Facebook, and I don't know. I I, I just have a hard time getting in, into that because it's not you know I'm it's not where my mind is. No. But I know that the young people are certainly using it and uh, Snapchat and all those things. You know, my my kids talk about um, the fear of missing out, FOMO, and yeah. uh, I I guess that's real. I you know. Um, in my mind, uh, that's not something I ever think about. I, You know, I've never thought about that in my life. But evidently, that's a reality for some oh, yeah. of our young people. And uh, I can see where if you lived in a small town in western Colorado, you seriously might feel like you're missing out.
1: Yes, I think so. And, uh, you know, if we could turn all that off and just say what you have is pretty darned wonderful. Yeah, that's um, true. You know, that might be good, but. Yeah, you, know, you can't just turn it
0: off. So we have to deal with what. Yeah, with, with what we have. And, yeah. You know, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about one of the things that I found when I when I got to Denver and you know was sworn in as a state representative. and all, you, you're so lost when you first get there because you don't know anyone, you don't know the, you know, you really don't know the rules of engagement <laughs> and
1: True. those
0: kind of things. That um, it seems to me one of the most valuable things in the in the general legislature is the relationships really do matter. Uh, Regardless if you're Republican or Democrat, relationships between people seem to me to be the linchpin between getting something done or not getting something done. And, um, you know, you and I had, for some reason, we just sort of clicked. You know, I wanted to remind my listeners that I know of three bills that you and I were the co-sponsors on, Uh co-primes, you know, level the playing field for, for broadband, which in my mind was one of the most important pieces of legislation that I passed. Oh, yes. Yes,
1: I totally agree.
0: You know, it's going to um, make a difference in small communities. It may make a difference. I'm hoping that it's going to make differences for small companies to start providing Internet and, uh, you know, getting the getting the services into these communities that are so mm-hmm. underserved, and some of them in our districts don't even have it. So, yeah. you know, hopefully I mean- that's going to happen. Along with the aquifer storage, I know that aquifer storage wasn't on the top of your mind when we got there.
1: got there, though. (laughs) But, you know,
0: that piece of legislation did pass where we're going to allow the eastern slope to store some water in existing aquifers. And, uh, you know, I think those are the kind of things that matter. You recognized that that was valuable to the western slope. And uh, not just for the fact, okay, they can store water, but if they can store water,
1: They'll you have to use
0: work. less on trans mountain diversions. Yes.
1: yeah you know on the other um, one and I
0: wanted to talk about this quickly okay. sure. is I wanted to give you the credit on the aqua on, on uh, young farmers internships and apprenticeships. That was a piece of legislation that you brought out of um, the study committee on young farmers and beginning farmers and uh, luckily we were on that together. I I wasn't so I wasn't sure that it was as big a deal as what it ended up being. That one I know. Was, people really did appreciate it. Even non-farm people have talked to me about how valuable the idea of helping people learn how to farm or learn if they like it or and be able to get paid and the state helps with the payment, the landowner opens the you know gets to help with that. I guess I had not I had not thought about agriculture as a skilled trade because we do internships and apprenticeships for skilled trades, electricians, plumbers, those kind of uh-huh. guys. But we never had talked about that with agriculture, and it is a very skilled uh, profession, believe me. You have to have skills in order to make it in agriculture.
1: Well, and I think you've been doing it for so long, you don't recognize that what you have as a skill it's just kind of
0: a way you of life, so it. to speak. Yeah, yeah,
1: because that's how you know it's your four hundred
0: one k. Yeah, the land's your four hundred one k, and you know it's it's what you pass on to your kids and all. And that was one of the things I liked about being on that um, that interim committee. I know yes. that not, we're not going to have it again this year, but I think that you and I will probably talk an awful lot about agriculture and succession planning and how we're going to get young people into the industry, you know, because we've got some people that are standing on the sidelines wanting to get involved with, with growing
1: crops. Absolutely. And um, I'm not sure if your listeners know, but the, uh, the average age of the farmer in Colorado is 60 years old. Right. So um, we're kind of assuming that in 20 years they're not going to be wanting to do quite as much work as they are right now. Well,
0: that's uh, true, you know. And, and um, you know, one of the things that I thought, and this was impressive to me, is that the governor came to Durango to sign yeah. that bill in your district. And I thought that was um, that was a tip of the cap by the state of Colorado as to how valuable that piece of legislation was. And uh, Yes,
1: totally agree.
0: You know, because he can just choose to sign it in Denver, and you and I have to drive, you know, six to eight hours to get there uh-huh. and uh, for a 10-minute event. But him coming to town and taking the time and talking about agriculture there in your district... You know, and with me being there and all, it was, uh, I thought that was a real tip of the cap, that agriculture is mattering more and more to people as time goes
1: on. Yeah, wasn't that great? That was great. I uh, And I'm so happy that you could come over for it and that Senator Corum came over for it. And uh, um, it was good. That was, um, the young farmers here were so excited.
0: Well, they were. They really were. Yeah. Well, you have a strong, you know, there's a strong community of young people that are really wanting into agriculture, you yes. know, they, you can just see it in their eyes. They're they're excited. This is something they really want to invest their lives in.
1: Yeah. So I, I spent a day in Mancus, um, visiting with many of them, and you have a really strong group of them in Mancus that are oh, yeah. um, they're they're doing a great job with the land and with each other and water conservation and soil health and. Uh, I think um, our future is looking really good in agriculture with them in charge. So,
0: well, it certainly might be. I think uh, you know some of my listeners may not understand really what we're talking about, but uh, you know maybe we can talk about this a little bit. What we tried to do was we tried to, to put some dollars into the state coffers that would allow people that were trying to become farmers, what we call beginning farmers, and young farmers that we might be able to help them find jobs on existing properties or could go to work for some older rancher farmer and say okay I'll work for you for x number of dollars and the state agreed they would pay part of that and then the rancher farmer would pay part of that so that this individual would be more than a hired hand he would be more of a you know trying to learn what this guy knows you know, the, the rancher, the, the the established rancher, farmer, what he knows and how he could pass it on, you know, like you do with a, an apprentice in a blackmail, in a, in a blacksmith shop. You heat up the metal, you pound it out, showing them how to do these things. And I think, you know, that's the part of the program that I think is going to be probably the most beneficial as time goes on.
1: Yes. It's a great program.
0: Well, I'm going to take a tour down there, too, We're pretty quick. I'm sorry to cut you off. Go ahead.
1: No, that's okay. I was just saying, you know, Mark mentioned that uh, we work well together, but most of it, it doesn't matter if we're Democrat or Republican. We're uh, we're really working for Southwest Colorado, and as long as we always put that as the primary um, intention of our vote, then we work well together because we both have the same ideas about um, what's good for our part of the state. And uh, the urban people aren't quite noticing us down here, so oh, I, um, they're, they're beginning to.
0: They're starting <laughs> to hear us because we holler pretty loud every once in a while.
1: We do. Yeah. I have a good teacher voice
0: for that. <laughs> yeah, you it's get their good. attention. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I appreciate that, too. But, you know, I think one of the big things is, is that we represent our district. Yes. Rather than jumping on board and just saying, okay, this is what my party does or this is what they want me to do, we actually look at – what's going to happen to my district if this passes or if this fails that helps in in casting a vote at the you know after third readings
1: yes so. you know
0: that's that's important to me i before we wrap up this show i'd like to talk to you a little bit and i know you're probably tired of it about the 416 <laughs> fire
1: yeah
0: how big is it today have you heard
1: um as of um, first thing this morning, I get an update every morning, right. and it was about 33,000 acres. Um, all of San Juan um, Forest is closed down, and all of our city parks are closed down because they're just afraid of people going in there and hiking or right. you know, setting a so, campfire.
0: So do you have um, big, big parks inside the city limits?
1: Um, not huge parks, but there's some um, bike parks mostly on the outer edge. Oh, okay. People do mountain biking and things like that. Um, it's 20% contained, which is good. It stopped at 550, and it it stayed on the west side and never, the firefighters, bless their hearts, kept it on the west side, and it never jumped to the east side where most of the homes are. So, um, there's still a lot of people on pre-evacuation, but, um, they're breathing a little easier this morning with a little bit of rain and, um... You know, and the fire has been contained there.
0: Is smoke just filling your valley?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, we wake up in the morning. We can't open our windows at night because there's so much smoke. And um, our family kind of laughs because we have visine in the refrigerator, and we just get up every morning and <laughs> put nice cold visine into our eyes everywhere. <laughs>
0: everywhere so. Well, that's better than drinking cold vodka or something, I guess. I
1: guess so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> smarter than this. yeah. Um, but by 10 or 11, it's cleared out and, you know, life goes on. So, so um, the wind
0: is kind of pushing it up into the mountains, right?
1: It's yes, it is. It is. And um, it's it's going away from a lot of residential homes now, but San Juan National Forest is really getting hit hard with this.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we have a fire in the Malazima County, yeah. that um, borough fire that's kind of burning towards it. I yeah. think they're afraid that they might merge.
1: Yes, and that's the last I heard is that um, that they are afraid of that, indeed, and that um, who knows. But I tell you what, what I'm learning is that you know we we hear about fire science. Right, it's real. <laughs> <laughs> um, these guys are so good. They're they're doing burns ahead of time, and they're they're not feeding the fire. Um, you know, so the fire hits a spot that they've already burned, and it just. Dies because there's nothing left to burn, and they're really controlling it that way. It's um, they're just amazing firefighters here. I'm. Uh,
0: how many men are fighting, or how many people are fighting?
1: Um, as of this morning, there were like I think it was like eleven, almost twelve hundred people wow. firefighters on it.
0: So this is one of the biggest fires Colorado's had in a long time.
1: Actually, it's like fourteenth. I think we Already had um, yeah. We think it's huge right now, but um, our Missionary Ridge fire um, hurt a lot more homes, a lot more uh, places were burned, and it covered a lot more acreage. So. Yeah, I
0: think um, you lost some lives in that fire too.
1: Yeah, we did. We lost a firefighter in that one. So. Um, yeah. So this one is not as big, but it's um, it's just fierce. It's just.
0: Oh, I see some so photographs dry. that it's just. You know, it's just raging, you know, flames yeah. are jumping way up in the air, and it's just, you know, it's it's impressive, but it's really scary. I, you yeah,
1: know, you I, hate to call it beautiful, but yeah. some of those photos really are beautiful. Yeah,
0: you know? they are. And <laughs> one thing it's done, it's made some incredible sunsets, but, uh, yeah. boy, that's quite a price to pay for sunsets, I'm telling
1: you. It is indeed,
0: so. <laughs> well, you know, I... Uh, so have have you guys in 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 Durango and that and your multi counties because it's not just one county right it's suffering? Are you starting to pull together groups to where you can start talking about what we're going to need to do after this fire is over?
1: Yes, yes, yes. Um, a lot of um, I had actually signed up in May, I think it was earlier before the session was over um, to join the. Um, the wildfire prevention interim committee that they have because some people are leaving it. And it turns out that that was probably a good choice if they put me on there. You bet. Um, but we are talking about how to, um, like we said, fire-wise homes so that people aren't, you know, you don't have to live with a million trees around you and you need to clean off shrub and brush, um, build homes out of, uh, more fireproof material. We should never have shingle roofs out here. Right. Um, cedar shingles. So, yeah, the communities are going together a lot and how to, to get better communication between them. Um, landing spots for um, helicopters, camping spots, um, water resources. They're doing a lot of um, talking about it. And everybody has something on their mind, and then as soon as it's over, I think we'll start hearing more. But
0: well, I'm sure the chaos of the fire, just, yeah. you know, the chaos and the fear, they, it just begins to rule the community. And it,
1: oh, it does, absolutely. So, you know. um, but I think, you know, when winter comes, I think everybody will calm down. And, you know, we have to talk about everything from insurance, um, renters, most, you know, in our laws renters don't get any time off even if they've been evacuated from their home. So a lot of these people who are renting have lost their jobs because they were tourism jobs, you know, yeah. like they were working on the train. Um, and they have to keep paying rent. So there's there's things like that that we have to adjust for too so that people aren't suffering.
0: You know, I heard the other day, and uh, this was something you know, I'd never thought about it, is that a lot of the big insurance companies don't want to uh, issue insurance policies on purchases of homes, you know, how we buy yeah. and sell houses, that you can't get an insurance policy on the new house because the insurance companies have kind of put a red line around Durango.
1: Um, they have right now, yeah, 81301 is our zip code, and they're um, they're struggling with um, doing any more. They have stopped, se- several companies have stopped any insurance right now. Um, but another big thing that we have to talk about is the the flood insurance. Right. So people's homes were saved in the fire, and they're so happy. But um yeah, when we get big monsoon, rains in the mountains, yeah, you know. the ash doesn't let water um, soak into the ground. So yeah, it just runs
0: on top of it, blowing like
1: down and bringing rocks and logs and oh yeah, everything in its way. So and there's no insurance for that, you know.
0: You know, well, flooding. So, well,
1: yeah, so yeah, so we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> well, I'm sure
0: you do. What about the the uh, water quality in your river? Is is anybody worrying about ash getting in there and, you know, all these kind of things? Because once these floods start, then everybody's going to be worrying about it.
1: Yes, and um, so far we haven't heard a lot. We asked that question yesterday um, during the press conference, and they didn't seem to be overly worried about that. Oh, it's good. Um, You know, we survived the Gold King Mine, so I think we'll survive this one too. Well, yeah. We've had a lot of traumas in our little area.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well I would imagine that there's been a you know a significant loss to Silverton with the train not running because that's yes. really kind of their main deal.
1: Oh it is absolutely and they uh, they said the the off road you know the um the side streets are like 90% down and um in town they're about 50 60% down in business and um they've had a really bad winter. So they were really hoping for a great summer to kind of get their money back together. So right. um, so they're very concerned there.
0: Well, maybe we can encourage people to go to Silverton and have lunch or go up and eat supper or do something and, you know, kind of spread the wealth a little bit.
1: Yeah, that's uh, what know, we're get trying some to do, actually, so, yeah.
0: I understand that.
1: Like, let's go up and go shopping and eat <laughs> yeah,
0: and, right. you know, get a well,
1: busload of people. <laughs> you know, we're about
0: to wrap up here. Is there something that you would like to mention that, you know, you know, kind of, close off the show as far as your part's concerned and you know I want you to know I truly appreciate you being on the show.
1: Well and that's what I was gonna say. I truly appreciate working with you and I hope your listeners know um that you represent them. It's um you work hard for your district and I think that's what we should all should should be able to say is that um sometimes it's party but mostly it's district and I think if we Continue working together and for Southwest Colorado, we can get a lot of really good things accomplished. So um, I appreciate your friendship.
0: Well, I, that comes right back at you. I want you to know I'm glad that I met you. you know um, it's it's been a good thing for me too. You know, I want you to enjoy your afternoon and, and you know go out and enjoy and I know that you're as busy as you can be because of all the trauma and the chaos there in your in your hometown. But, um, you know, go say hello to everybody and tell them that you're there. That you're I will. helping them. Uh, we're you going know, up know to Lake today. So.
1: Well,
0: good for you. Go and enjoy that.
1: See what's up there. Yep. All, All right. You
0: thank you for okay. being on air with us t- this morning. We will do this more often. I, uh, okay. I look
1: forward to that, Mark.
0: I've enjoyed this show. It's, it's been good for me, too. So yes. thank you so much. I truly appreciate it.
1: Okay. Thank Thanks you again. Too. you, bet. Bye-bye.
0: Good day. Well, there you have Barbara McLaughlin, the district representative for 59th, the 59th district, which is is Durango, is the largest community. Then uh, she's a you know native of Durango. We talked a little about the forest. We've um, you know we you know, we've we've done a lot of things this morning. On, uh, you know I guess I'm getting a call coming in, so we'll take it. Thank you. <coughs> Welcome to the area You're on diversions.
1: Yeah, I was just wondering with this fire going on, 33,000 acres, and why that uh, 747
0: tanker is sitting on the tarmac in Colorado Springs and why no pressure is being
1: applied to the Forest Service to get it in use?
0: Well, you know, I can't answer that question. Um, It seems like that would be something that they would move towards that fire. I've heard that there's been something like 25 aircraft that are down there trying to fight that fire, but... The winds might keep some of those planes on the ground.
1: Yeah, but that that tanker is uh, it handles twenty thousand gallons of water or retardant. It seems to me it would be extremely beneficial. To yeah, fire.
0: yeah, it would be. I, um, you know, I'll look into that and see why. And uh, you know, I'll talk to the representative down there and maybe make a suggestion that she make some phone calls too. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. Okay. All right, guy. Thank you. Well, there's a good question. that you know not something that had crossed my mind, I'm not familiar enough with firefighting to know that those assets are not on uh, not on this fire. So we'll look into that. We'll find out for you know for myself, if nothing, nothing else. else. You know I, I wanted to bring up something today that we we've we've touched on it, we've we've talked around it a little bit. But one of the things that's concerning me as as an individual that cares about water and cares about agriculture and cares about the future, that this western slope of colorado is going to have is one of the things that's beginning to happen is we're starting to get speculators that are coming in and buying large ranches, large farms with good solid older water rights, pre-19 water rights, pre-1922 water rights. Now the story that's told to us is don't worry, we're going to ranch it, we're going to farm it, we're going to take care of it. But in reality, I think they're being purchased for the water and the future uses of that water. Now, you get into kind of a tickly situation when you start talking about should you sell your ranch to somebody like that? I'm not suggesting you should not, because it's private property and private property rights is what makes us so much different than any other country in the world. But we need to be thinking about what can the counties and the state and those kind of people do to help with some of these sales, you know, is does it make sense to sell a large ranch with a large water volume to someone who is probably not going to care about whether or not the ranch makes money or doesn't make money? If it's being bought as a as a trophy, which we see that happening in the Uncompahgre Valley in the upper Uray part. We've got a number of of incredibly wealthy people that have bought ranches, but you can see a little difference in how they operate and manage those. I'm hearing stories, and I'm hearing situations where ranches are being purchased, even up here in the Cimarron area, that are being purchased, and then the water moved and left in the river or in the creek so that they don't irrigate that ranch and get the water to go down deep and sub-irrigate the downstream ranches, which have been, that's been happening for a hundred years or more. And when that one ranch stops doing it, the ranches below it are impacted. And particularly when they don't leave the water that goes to that ranch in the ditch system, now the ditch doesn't have enough water to carry the water to everyone. We as a community... Uh, not just farmers and ranchers, but you and I as community members are needing to start thinking about what's that going to do to the complexion and to the environment that we've learned to love and we've learned to come to depend upon, and those agricultural benefits that come back to our communities. Water is, is the basis for most of everything we do on the western slope of Colorado. Our land is valued because it does have water rights. If you don't believe me, just call a realtor and ask them how much land would cost with no water right. And then ask how much would that same acreage cost if it does have water rights. You will see a major difference between those two values. So... What are we thinking about when we think, okay, well, these guys are going to buy these ranches and they're going to put them, they're going to leave the water in the river and do some exchanges so that the water is going to the state line so that Denver can continue to divert more and those kind of things. We need to think and engage in that idea before it's on us. You know, that's happened in California. There's a number of valleys in California that are completely dry because the water was moved towards Los Angeles. We are worrying about that in the state of Colorado because you'll hear the term buy and dry. When we talk about buy and dry, usually what happens is a a farm's bought out to the edge of town around Greeley, Denver, those kind of places, with a good water right. The water right's held. They farm it until they decide, okay, we've grown enough. uh, we, We need to subdivide this ranch. Well, when they subdivide the ranch, they turn the water back in, and it becomes domestic water. And, um, you know, sold through, through the meter. One of the things that does do is it keeps that water in that basin. So there is some return flow that comes back to the river from, from the treatment facilities. There is some water that joins the groundwater in the aquifers. So you're, it's not completely gone. But in the western slope of Colorado, a trans-mountain diversion is 100% consumed water. In other words, when we send an acre foot over the mountain or we send an acre foot down the river to California, all of that is consumed. So the irrigation practices we have here in the western slope of Colorado, we put water on the land. The plants take about a half of it. The other half is left is returned to the river or to the canal or to the ditch. So it's not 100% consumed. But water that's been transmountain-diverted is completely gone. So we have a 600,000-acre-foot hole in the Colorado River every way, every every year because it's transmountain-diverted. As this country gets drier, and, you know, we've got to admit right now we're dry, they're still going to take that 600,000 acre feet. When we look at the water in the Colorado River going to Lake Powell, we're only going to be able to put in Lake Powell something like 3.5 to 4 million acre feet of water total in 2018. But we have to deliver 9 million acre feet out out of Lake Powell, across Lee's Ferry, and into Lake Mead. So that's something we're concerned about, and a lot of people are thinking about that. But there's another component to that, and that's when we are not shipping that water to where the ag components don't have it. So, you know, what I'm trying to do is just bring to, your, bring to your, the front of your mind that as you see ranches go up for sale or get, you hear they've been sold, look into it a little bit, see who bought it, see uh, what they're planning on doing. You know, because cattle, sheep, farming, these are the things we do in these valleys. That's what generates the revenue that keeps these valleys together. Believe me, tourism helps. I'm not going to discount it. But what you guys are doing out there on this ag land is what made these communities. It's what will keep these communities whole. We have to be vigilant. We need to know what's going to happen to the community ranches, and what's going to happen to these communities when something like buy-and-dry starts to happen. So it's just something to be aware of. It, You know, I, I, wanted to remember, I wanted to remember to tell you that we now have a website for Diversions, and uh, I'm inviting you to take a look at it. You can like us or follow us on the web. We talked about the interweb. You know, it's diversionsradio.com. Uh, you can listen to us on, sh- on that site. Uh, you can you know you can find us on Facebook. I think it's uh, Facebook.com or Facebook Diversions or Mark Catlin you know, Diversions Radio on Facebook. If you're interested, we'll be starting to load some shows on that. Some past shows that you can listen in and, and be able to uh, kind of see where we've been coming from, where we've been, and hopefully where we're headed. This is, a, you know, this is a great, a great opportunity for me to talk with you and I truly appreciate you listening to today and every day. You know, I want to remind you that Americans are extraordinary people. We are the leader of the world. Stand firm and stand strong and use the rights that you've been given, not by another man, but by the great creator himself. This is, you know, this is the time in the life of this country we have to stand for those rights. And one of the ways to do that is make sure that you vote. I don't care which party you vote in. It doesn't matter to me. But make sure that you don't lose the opportunity to cast your ballot for the future that you want to pursue. This country is incredible. We have rights that no one else has. And one of the reasons we have those is because we have the right to vote. God bless each and every one of you. Thank you for listening today. Good day.